Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again to grab your board, swim out into that sea of ideas, and see if we can't catch a wave today with the wave meister himself, Matt Hines. Paul, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm always looking forward to uh, your topics. And today, today, as always, you have come up with a tantalizing topic that I just can't not wrap my head around. I cannot see what the connection is between B2B marketing and Hall and Oats. What do they have in common? Well, we're going to talk about both B2B marketing and Hall and & Oates. We are doing live today, Sales Pipeline Radio, from beautiful Whidbey Island, about two hours north uh, of Seattle. I um, love Whidbey Island. I've only ever been there once, and it was a magical, mystical place. I had I had Loganberry pie there. I'd never even heard of Loganberries before. All right, so we need to do a whole episode on Whidbey Island. Because, I mean, we can do a whole episode on just food on Whidbey Island. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, the... The fruit out here is great. The mussels, the shellfish here, the Pen Cove mussels are some of the best in the world. You got oysters coming out of here. Just north of the island, you can go across Deception Pass and you find a place called the Shrimp Shack, ah. which has just amazing peel and eat shrimp. I am ensconced up here. I've got a book manuscript due soon, so I'm trying to get that thing done. But time stops for no episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. So excited to be here today, Paul, doing this. If you are a first time listener, to Sales Pipeline Radio, thank you very much for joining us. If you're listening live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thank you very much for joining us in the middle of your workday. And if you're joining us through the podcast, thank you so much for subscribing and downloading. You can find all of our episodes, past, present, and future, at salespipelineradio.com. Today, this is going to be a fun one, Paul, because we can talk about B2B sales and marketing. We can talk about floor care. We can talk about classic rock. We can talk about hot dish. We got so oh my goodness. I mean, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. We need more than just 25 minutes. Brian Smith, who's the senior marketing manager for North America for Tenant Company. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. How you doing? I am good. Where do we start? Do we start with Hot Dish? Please That's explain what Hot Dish is and please explain why I am bringing this up with you. Yeah, what is a Hot Dish? Well, a uh, Hot Dish is a Upper Midwestern, traditional, kind of another word for casserole. Yeah. So typically it will include some degree of cream of mushroom soup, as well as some sort of meat and starch, sometimes tater tots, sometimes Oh rice my goodness, you're talking my childhood meals. Can I tell you just something funny here? Yeah. My mother, when I went off to college... And I said, I'm going to, I got my own apartment after living in the dorm for the first year. And she said, you're going to have to learn to cook something. And she said, here's my one go-to thing, cream of mushroom soup. Just what you said. That goes on everything, she thought. Uh, chicken, anything. Just for a little cream of mushroom Absolutely. soup and you got a hot dish. That's what she told me. <laughs> yeah, it was before they discovered the word umami. They, <laughs> they knew that that worked. <laughs> but, you know, my mom is 100% Swedish and, uh, we always tease my mom that uh, every time she cooks, it's just in shades of beige. <laughs> you know, it could be green beans, and they somehow turn out to be beige. But, you know, it's cold, so you have to have good, hearty food up here. And I will just say that, I mean, so the reason I bring that up is also, I remember the first time we got together up at your business up in, so you guys are based in Minneapolis. I think we were in a meeting, and mm -hmm. you said, I have to go because I'm on the city council, and as a city council member, I am a judge for our town's hot dish competition. And I don't know <laughs> if there's more of an upper Midwest phrase than all of that, but I was pretty impressed. Uh, that's kind of a cartoon, I admit. It's an annual uh, fundraiser they do here in, in town. So it's, 
it's good times. It's, we don't do much of anything without a casserole here. It's weddings, funerals, fundraisers, it's, it's all casserole. i got to interrupt one more time here. Now I know where it comes from. My mother was not Swedish. She was Irish, but she was born and raised in Minneapolis. I was actually born in Edina. And uh, everybody around, whenever somebody comes, there's an event, a wedding, a funeral, get-together, everybody has to bring a dish. And that's what they always say. You had to bring a Mm -hmm. hot dish. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're not very good at showing our emotions, so we tend to do it through 9 by 13. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, although we could spend the entire uh, episode today talking about upper Midwestern food, I do want to talk <laughs> a little bit about sales and marketing. Uh, Brian, you sure. are you've got this interesting dis- sort of dichotomy where you are running B two B marketing, you are running advanced B two B marketing at a hundred and forty six year old company that's a manufacturing company as well. So, talk a little bit about that juxtaposition. I know we've got we have a lot of people that are listening that are running marketing in industrial organizations. Many of them are older. Many of them have more of a traditional view of marketing and sales and how they work together. Talk a little bit about that juxtaposition and how you've been able to make that work. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to fact check you though. We just turned 150 this year, so it's oh my goodness, it's been uh, exciting. So you know, I'll tell you, I, I joined Tenant Company nearly eight years ago, and. You know, when I joined the company, we were what I would lovingly refer to as an arts and crafts marketing group. And we did the brochures and the trade shows and pretty much on call for whatever the sales team wanted that week. Yeah, I think our brochures were like 16 pages long, but didn't talk about anything that our customers actually did. It was a very old school approach. And so it's been a journey over that time. Really what's happened, I think, is Salesforce, which has also been on a journey, I think, of evolving from a very relationship-based, you know, old-school type of sales approach. I think we've been evolving together. And they've been realizing more and more that they need good demand generation and good work from our end to, to be successful. And, you know, we've been consistently delivering that, which has really brought brought our function to much more to the table strategically in the organization. and But it hasn't happened overnight. You know, it's, it's been a journey and it's been something where we've had to really lay out, say what we're going to do and then do what we said we were going to do. It's very much a, uh, we have to show our math and we have to show results. Well, and let's talk a little bit about that journey, because I think that, you know, it may be more extreme for an older organization with sort of a more traditional sales and marketing bent versus, you know, like say a, a younger SaaS business that maybe sort of doesn't have that history and baggage. But every company that we see is on some version of that journey. So mm-hmm. what are what have been some of the key components of that journey that you've been most successful? Because I think we have, I guarantee we have listeners that are frustrated at the lack of progress between sales and marketing. What are some things that you think have been particularly useful? I I think the critical thing for us has been really strong planning. And I think that has been probably the biggest game changer for us as far as being very clear of laying out exactly what we're going to do over the year, very clear on what we're going to measure and what good looks like against those measurements, and ensuring that that plan is aligned with where sales leadership wants to go. So that's allowed us to do a couple of things. First, it's allowed us to really define success for the team and then be able to demonstrate that, you know, we are achieving those things. But probably more importantly is when the winds do blow and there's an 
urgent need from the sales force, we are able to go point to that plan and say, okay, here's what we collectively agreed to do. Which of these things would you like us to not do in order to do this new thing that you've just come up with? Mm -hmm. And nine out of 10 times it's, oh no, just stick with the plan. And that's been, I think, probably the biggest thing. So I love that concept. We're talking to Brian Smith today. He's the senior uh, marketing director of North America for a tenant company. And we're talking about sort of that journey of taking a traditional sort of sales organization and help integrate with marketing. And I think having a plan, making trade-offs. So I mean, what I'm hearing from you is just really active communication as well. Of course, you know, talking is not the same as doing. And I've seen a lot of marketing organizations say, we're going to be a better partner to sales. And what they end up doing is just becoming help desk. Like I literally have seen some companies right. that have just like a request form and just whatever sales needs they fulfill. It's rarely if ever successful when you're just responsive, when you're just defensive, when you're just providing whatever they want versus making it a two-way street. Sales may be on the phone with your customer more often and hear that, but I think oftentimes marketing also needs to be the voice of the customer and provide some back and forth on that. How do you recommend and what have you guys done at Tenant to sort of balance what the sales force needs and is asking for with sort of having that proactive strategy to move forward? Probably one of the biggest things that we did two years ago is we brought on we brought on an agency partner we've worked with in the past. They're the kind of agency that does really good work at a really good price, but it's you know, they can crank things out quickly and I might not go to them for the huge, robust, strategic concepting work, but if we need stuff knocked out, they get it done and they get it done well and fast. So we went to them and we set up a program where our sales reps can basically go directly to them and get help with PowerPoint presentations or get help with updating a sell sheet or things like that, but they have to pay for it. And we have kind of a set rate card and it's and we've gotten good discounting on it but again when it's something they have to pay for even if it's a couple hundred bucks all of a sudden it's not quite as urgent as it might have been before but if it is urgent they have a way to get it done so that's been great because that's basically taken all of that sales support stuff off of our plate the only time we get involved is if there's a material change to messaging on one of those pieces that we need to take a look at and make sure that it's kosher but other than that, the agency just sort of handles it for us, and it's on the reps to cover that cost. How has that changed at all this year? Because, I mean, in a normal course of business, things move kind of incrementally. This year, things are moving a little more exponentially, uh, given COVID. And, you know, it might be a good opportunity to describe, mm-hmm. like, what does Tenant do, and why is that relevant to right now and having some pivots around those messages? As far as how we're working with the sales force or just generally? I think a little bit of both, right? I mean, I think, you know, there's, you know, it has the message pivoted, has who you're targeting pivoted and how, how you manage that in a way that sort of coordinates the efforts between sales and marketing. Yeah. So, I mean, our messaging had to pivot quickly. We also, since we're in the cleaning business, we had a lot of very urgent questions that came up right at the beginning of the pandemic as far as what we could and couldn't say about our product, what role our product should play in the deep cleaning that was starting to happen and is continuing to happen throughout this pandemic. So that was a place where we did have to react to a sales need quickly and reprioritize because we were at risk for misinformation going out. That was something where we pulled the marketing team together. We got really quick and put together guidelines on disinfecting and guidelines on how to both how to disinfect floors as well as how to disinfect our own machines. Those were things we had to do very quickly to support the field in that particular moment. 
But what we did push back on, though, was we got a lot of requests for trying to light up a bunch of pandemic-related campaigns and things like that. Those were things we did push back on a little bit because, first of all, in our industry, we didn't really have the urgent story to tell that the chemical companies did, and we felt like that might be a little tone deaf. And secondly, we just didn't see the performance out of those kind of pandemic-related messaging pieces that, that we were starting to put out there. As things evolved, though, what we did find is that when we were putting out more robust content like webinars and ebooks and things like that that were more about how to evolve your cleaning processes more generally in light of this pandemic, how to adopt automation, how to adopt other things to shift your teams to be able to do that, do more work, that was compelling. And mm -hmm. so that was a place where we took a little more time to develop the messaging. But so it was a mixture of having to move really fast on some things and then sort of push back and spend a little more time thinking about other elements of the way we adapted. And we're still learning. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Well, learning and evolving, and that's how we're going to tie this B2B conversation back to Hollow Oaks. we got to take a quick break. We're going to pay some bills, and we'll be right back talking with Brian Smith at Tenant Company about B2B marketing, Hot Dish, Hollow Oaks, much more. How do you continue to drive predictable revenue in an increasingly unpredictable time? Creating a revenue growth engine is no small task, nor is it one that can be done overnight. And these days it can feel harder than ever to hit your stride. So how can you overcome the obstacles? Read the new research report on the state of predictable revenue growth from Sixth Sense and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at hub.sixcents.com slash PRG. That's hub.sixcents.com slash PRG. Okay, if you guys can somehow tie all of this back to Holland Oats, I'll give both of you my mom's secret recipe for scalloped potatoes and creamed corn which was her hot dish that she always went to here. Uh, if you could combine that. So Matt, actually, I, I was thinking about this today, <laughs> and I think I've got a shot at it. Okay. All right. If, you want to explain? Right. So, you can't just leave that hanging. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's my shot at it is I was reading a little bit, and what I didn't realize, there is no Hall and Oates. There's Daryl Hall and John Oates. All of their albums are named with both of their actual names. And they did this very purposefully so that they could have their own careers as well as their career together. Hmm, okay. They didn't want to become branded as only themselves. They wanted to be branded as two guys who work together but could also work independently. I think there is a parallel there to sales and marketing where there are times when we can put together a great record together and there's times where we have to have our solo careers as well how about that that is good not i mean i bad. wasn't even thinking not that bad. yeah that wow and i think you're right like i think yeah not only is that true that they've gone very intentionally back and forth i mean that was but that was also something they agreed to they said like we love making music together we love making money making yeah. music together but then they each have their own solo projects. And here we are, like how many years later? The other analogy I thought was interesting is like, they've been doing this for a long time, but they evolve. They evolve based on what the market wants sure. and based on what they're interested in doing. You know, we still have all of the classic 
yacht rock song from the Hall & Oates days of the 80s when we think about. But then you've got Daryl Hall, who's doing his At Daryl's House a series where he's taking artists and taking his house band and recreating and doing covers of those music. You've got You've got John Oates, who is going back to some of his bluegrass and country roots and reinventing a little bit of what he's doing as well. So I think that evolving over time to what the market wants, to what the market's interested in, and not just being someone who's stuck in a particular period that isn't as effective, it isn't as monetized. That was the angle I was thinking, but I like the idea of saying, listen, like we both have jobs to do, but we have an opportunity to work together to make something bigger and better. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's been really cool during the pandemic is we've definitely been hauling out for the last few months here at Tenant. You know, we've seen so much more engagement from the field into the work that we're trying to do and vice versa, where, for example, you know, we've, we've in the past had sort of an outsourced BDR function. We don't have our we have some BDRs inside, but usually for volume, we need to go outside to do it. Well, since the pandemic's been going, especially in the beginning when a lot of our reps were in their home office a lot, our reps have been doing a lot of that prospecting work for us, and it's actually been super successful, and they've found that they actually don't hate it as much as they thought they would. And so we've had unprecedented engagement into sort of working together on prospecting with our field reps and things like that. So it's, you know, I think back to your former question, that's due to this pandemic, I think, has, has driven us together as functions. So I had a whole different take on I thought you guys were going to reference one of those famous songs, and you were going to talk about, can we go back to the way things were? And the song title is, I Can't Go For That, No Can Do. <laughs> yeah, well, we could, if we wanted, we could go back in the library and find some interesting songs and titles that are good metaphors. But I think Brian nailed it. I think, you know, being able to sort of be adaptive to be able to sort of work together when needed and do leverage your strengths as an individual, but then also have that agreement up front as well. I think, you know, Brian, it's, what's interesting is you've referenced some of the pivots you guys have made as we get kind of wrap up last few minutes here on the sales pipeline radio today with Brian Smith from Tenant Company. The pivots we've made very quickly in March and sort of, you know, end of Q1, Q2 of this year are now just kind of the way we're doing business. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. we can't really say this is a COVID era. This is just, this is what we're going to do for a while. How do you as a business, how do you as a marketer put those pivots into place quickly and more semi-permanently? And then what are the things you need to be looking at in the market to decide when to change again? Yeah, I think it's the second part of that question is the hard part. I think for yeah. where we've pivoted right now, I think we've hard pivoted away from doing as many trade shows and in-person events and towards virtual and webinar events and particularly those that we can host ourselves or with a single partner. We're getting more leads out of those than we were out of shows, and they're better. That's a hard pivot that we're going to stick with, I think. We were already starting to move away from trade shows, and and I think that's been validated for us big time. I think the big question for us is, you know, as a, as a manufacturer, right, we have some customers who really want to touch and feel our equipment before they buy it. And so we, our reps spend a lot of time pulling trailers around the country, demoing machines. I think a big question for me is how might we better enable our reps to not have to do that as much as customers also may not be quite as interested in having our folks come out just to drive a scrubber around their facility. I think that's an open question right now, exactly how we're going to handle that going forward, because we have not cracked the nut on that yet. Well, I don't think very many people have. Not only do we not know where things are going, we don't know where things are going. We don't know how things are going to continue to evolve. 
we don't know when some version of normal is going to come back. I think, you know, we continue to hear a lot of salespeople be frustrated. They can't get out, meet their customers. Talking to a company earlier today that their sales. No, but I think maybe last question for you is just around the idea of sort of, you know, what the sales team needs and providing that engagement and relationship building. I mean, if, you know, if from a marketing standpoint, the events aren't as efficient, are there separate sales plays that we need to put together that can be marketing supported? to still help the sales team engage the field? I mean, is that purely digital or is that gonna expand beyond digital? For us, it will, I think, extend beyond digital. I'm not sure that we've figured out exactly what that will look like yet. What I do know for sure is that going into 2021, I think with the continued uncertainty, we're gonna have to get really focused. And I think as we're planning for next year, we're looking at doing fewer things better and really trying to focus on the parts of our business that are the most, first of all, the most lucrative, and then also the most differentiating and where marketing can make the most difference. I mean, we've, we've got some big business opportunities right now where, frankly, my team is not going to have a huge impact on it. It's a huge, it'll be a huge priority for our sales partners, but probably not for us because they've got those covered. We're looking at, you know, where are the ones where we can really help them make an impact and as we're looking at next year, I mean, a lot of that's going to be around our robotic solutions as that's a place where we're really seeing some growth and engagement and where we have an opportunity as marketers to educate our market and help them understand the benefits and value of automating some of their processes. But that's big new stuff for them. So Absolutely. it's a place where we can really be helpful. Well, we are unfortunately out of time. I know that for sure in the show notes, we now have a, I don't know what the linguine, like Paul has a, a hot dish recipe. We're <laughs> going to have to get the tater tot recipe from Brian. We're going to get all that up. Uh, if you get nothing out of this event, which I think actually appreciate a lot of what um, sharing here, definitely look forward to uh, sharing those with you as well. But now we're out of time. Thank you so much, Brian Smith, uh, Senior Marketing Director Thanks, for the company for joining us and covering a wide variety of topics. We will be with you next week. On behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on another week of Sales Pipeline Radio. And with that, we wrap up another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio channel for at-work listeners like you.